Hello and welcome to JPHMP Direct Talk, a podcast series that brings you conversations that bridge the gap between public health research and practice. We've been in service of writing the papers, take them to all the journals that are typical in our field, but oftentimes the communities we serve don't have access to those papers. Oftentimes the important information we may have even generated from the communities never go back to them. I'm Justin Moore, Associate Editor of the Journal of Public Health Management and Practice, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Juliet Wilmore, Associate Professor of Behavioral Science and Health Education at St. Louis University College for Public Health Science and Social Justice, Dr. Uchoma Ozuru, Assistant Professor in the Department of Implementation Science at the Wake Forest School of Medicine, and Ms. Alexis Engelhart, MPH student and research coordinator at St. Louis University. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, and thank you for having us. As a public health scientist who has spent considerable time and effort learning how to better disseminate research findings, I'm particularly interested in your new project, which, according to your website, seeks to recreate public health as art, letters, stories, and poetry. And that just sounds fantastic. So, to get us started, though, Juliet, can you please tell our listeners a little about light and how you aim to blend art and science in this way? So light basically stands for leaders igniting generational healing and transformation. The idea of it is how might we begin to make scientific writing as we do, as many of us in the field do, much more inclusive to the public we serve. And so you find out that for many, many years, we've been in service of writing the papers and eloquently too, and even effortlessly too, in journals that are often not accessible to the public we serve. We write our papers, take them to all the journals, you know, that are that are typical in our field, but oftentimes the communities we serve don't have access to those papers. Oftentimes, the important information we may have even generated from the communities never go back to them. And so Light is trying to bring a better sense of dissemination of our work, but with the public in mind. And many of us, you know, in the field have been doing this, you know, in variants, even in the journals we publish. I'm reminded by Kamara Jones's um, Levels of Racism paper that she published nearly 22 years ago now in the American Journal of Public Health. In it, she talked about, she shared an allegory, for example, a gardener's tale, if you recall, where she basically talked about having two pots in her home. One had a rich soil, you know, and, and the other one had rocky, bad soil. But in the rich soil, she planted red flowers that blossomed and thrived. In the poor old soil, she planted pink flowers that didn't thrive. And then over time, even the pink flowers felt, you know, I want to be like the red flower. I want whatever it is the red flower is having because that's what I think is best. And I think that's in a sense of, of how we've been approaching publishing in our field where it's only what the red flower does, all of us gravitate towards, you know. So if they tell us to write introductions, methods, results, discussion, and, and that's the only way your, your paper will, will be accepted, all of us gravitate towards what's best for 
you know, the red flower context and not, not necessarily how you make the pink flowers thrive. And that story just stuck to me for the brilliance of it, for the description of it, particularly with describing racism in terms of the three levels, but also how she made the work that seems so complex, relatable, right? Made it accessible, made anybody in the community to understand that there are levels of racism. And even just from how you plant, who's the gardener, for example, who owns the resources, even how you engage in that system may explain why some you know, flowers thrive and why others doesn't thrive. What stuck to me over the years, and, and, and again, it's been 22 years since that paper came out, there aren't any other allegory like that that stands out in the field, yet we all work in the field, right? Yet we all collect data from communities, we all engage with communities, and, and it just talked to me that, that even the data, I, myself included, even the data we generate is often not relatable or um, to the public we serve. And so Light is trying to say that there's another way we can present our findings and we can present it in, um, through creativity in mind, keeping it in mind things that make sense to people, everyday people, and maybe all hopefully centering the humanity in the work we do. I love that. Analogy. And I, I've been accused a few times of being a little too free with folksy expressions and stuff like that. But I think, you know, the messages that resonate with people are often the ones that they can understand, they can put in their own terms. And, and I think that's why that article has sustained power, because it helps, like you said, take something very complex and put it into terms that are easily understood, regardless of your training or background. That's, a, that's an excellent point. So Choma, I'm gonna go to you for this one. Talk to me a little bit about how does a literary journal like Light complement or advance current public health dissemination strategies? How's it gonna do it? Yeah, thank you so much for that. So with current uh, dissemination strategies, there are different formats in which it comes. You have podcasts, which we're doing right now. We have uh, briefs. We have conferences or meetings. We'll have our peer-reviewed articles. So those are the typical when you're thinking about dissemination of public health. So light in the way complements that because we're going to build on top of that in the sense of people will still publish, but then again they additional or the advancement in terms of dissemination is the aspect of listening to the public, the aspect of in actively engaging the public. So beyond having the researchers share the knowledge, we are actively providing a space where the public are also part of that conversation. So uh, there will be a lot of listening. For instance, we're going to talk a little bit more about our first open call to ask for information. This is our opportunity for us to listen to the public as opposed to always driving the conversation because there's a need for lived experiences, especially when it comes to public health as a term goes, does the public. So there's the need to actively involve them. So for light, we're very intentional about listening to the public and actively engaging the public and not just in a tokenistic way, in a way whereby they are part of the conversation, be it sharing their lived experiences in the form of letters, in the form of poetry, or whatever form they think makes the most sense to them, because we don't think we have all the answers to the best ways to disseminate public health in 
information. Light is here to learn and light is here to listen to the public. So in that in that aspect, I think we advance what the this current dissemination strategies have because it's very research driven or practitioner driven. But here we are actively trying to learn and listen to the public. And another aspect of light is that we're willing to adapt. Like I mentioned, we are listening. We're going to change over time based on what makes the most sense to the public who are the end users. So in this year, it might be we're very focused on poetry art illustration, but then maybe next year the conversation might change depending on where we are. Like, we don't know what the pandemic is going to look like next year. We don't know what is going to happen next year. So we're very open to learning and adapting to what makes the most sense to users. So I think ultimately for us, we are hoping to address some of the challenges with, with our typical dissemination strategies, where it's very heavy on researchers, practitioners, the public. And also we want to listen, mindfully listen and be intentional in changing or adapting based on what makes sense to the public. You know, one word that I haven't heard, but I, I, it immediately comes to mind is really empowerment, right? Because you're really empowering the community to share and, you know, co-learning uh, you know, will be the benefit of that, but it's very strong. So Alexis, I'm going to come to you now and ask you a little bit more about LIGHT as an acronym. I understand from Juliet that, you know, LIGHT is an acronym, but can you explain again what it stands for? And more importantly, why'd you choose it? Yeah, of course. As mentioned earlier, LIGHT stands for Leaders Igniting Generational Healing and Transformation. And in the field of public health, we see ourselves as leaders, but we also see the public as leaders. Everyone in their diverse careers and through their creative expressions. So we are a community of leaders working together to generate healing and transformation by centering people first in health. But they too, they are their own leaders, igniting their own healing and transformation for themselves and their families and friends, neighbors, strangers through stories of their own health. So ultimately, we see light as a light in the public health field, um, and this is for everyone. Well said. I really like the healing part because it acknowledges that there's something that needs to be healed, right? You know, the, the damage has been done. And, you know, you don't have to look far back in the research to see that, you know, we sometimes are on the wrong side of things. And so this is it's a great opportunity. I, I really like that piece of it. I think I understand this next question I have for you, Juliet, but you, you tell me in your words, why now? Who is light intended for and why do they need it today? Thank you for that question. So we are in the pandemic. Some may forget it's happening, but but we are in a pandemic. But the truth is, the last time there was a pandemic was over 100 years ago. So many of us may not have been alive, but this has happened before. But the way this one happened, the responses it generated or didn't generate, the people it centered or didn't center, had all of us just on the edge in terms of why are we even in public health, you know? Why is it that we can tell some people to vaccinate, have meaningful conversations with them about all the properties within the, within the vaccines, and they still choose not to vaccinate? Who gets to prioritize why zero to five-year-olds should or should not get vaccine, whereas older people get the vaccine, right? Who gets to have a say or, or not have a say in conversations that collectively happen to all of us, you know? 
your decision not to wear a mask, is that really just for you, the individual, or, or is your action not impacting a whole lot more people, people that don't even have voices yet, right? I'm thinking of my 18-month-old. Some schools are no longer wearing masks, but, you know, you have an 18-month-old that cannot be vaccinated. And so me having a conversation with you to tell you about why masks is important also affects an 18-month-old who doesn't have a voice yet. And I think that's why we're trying to, you know, situate like that, that, that everyone should have a voice in this whole thing we call public health. After all, it is the public's health we're all trying to address here. It's not my health alone. It's not your health alone. It's about our collective health and how we can all come together to ensure that we're both healed, we're both transformed, and you know, aspire to a higher place with even what we, the chaos we find ourselves in. You know, I think public health at this moment is is coming to a reckoning. Many of us know that what we've been doing obviously didn't resonate with the public now. You know, the ways we've been sharing information just did not resonate or did not connect. Misinformation became rampant during this pandemic. Just even information, you know, the ways it was being shared, there was just no credible resource through which people can find information and make good judgments for themselves without feeling that it's some ulterior you know message that is being shared i think what we're trying to say with light is that here finally is a space where you too have that collective power to disseminate information that just might be meaningful for your neighbor you know, was that a lump you saw on the side of your breast? And do you think that led you to maybe beginning breast examinations for yourself? And who knows, was that how you discovered your breast cancer? That information may be yours individually, but that information as a story, as a letter, as even poem can actually help another woman, you know, check that lump and, and not just ignore it. I'm thinking of Audre Lorde, for example, when she wrote her cancer journals back in the day, it still resonates with many Many people today in terms of how you go through cancer and the many changes your body might go through during cancer. It might have seemed personal. You know, I don't think she probably was thinking she was writing it for everybody. But many people still resort to it as their go-to Bible for what you go through when you're for for an example of how you live well with cancer. And so that's what we're hoping to do here, that through stories people share about their health experience, through just one-on-one -on -one conversation or letters they share, we can all finally hopefully get to the humanity of our shared experience. After all, we're all in this together. Your health is just as important as my health. And I hope that coming together as one can allow all of us to heal together as one. That's very powerful. I, I think about this as analogous, you know, in medicine, we have patient reported outcomes, but there's not until now really that, that piece in public health of, you know, what is important to the quote unquote end user of public health and, and what does it mean to them? And, and more importantly, you know, how can we move forward? And I, I think that's a very innovative piece of, of this work. So now I know where light came from, from a philosophical standpoint. Juliet, tell me a little bit about the origin of the project. So what motivated you to create a public health literary journal? And I guess I'm more interested, what have you learned from the process? And what do you think it's gonna mean for the journal five years from now? Well, while the pandemic was going on and then it's still going on, some of us came together 
to basically discuss how else could we have made an impact in our communities? Were there other ways we could have shared information? Um, I'm thinking of Edia, um, Edia Thurston, the professor at Texas A&M, who was also instrumental in guiding us or thinking through, she too is a co-founder, in thinking through how we started this project. I'm thinking of Uchama and Alexis and how we just came together. We had a Wednesday morning. I think when we started, we had no idea what we were going to do, to be honest, as most origin stories start. We just were hungry for something. We were hungry for our shared expressions, for our frustrations, but also our triumphs with going through the pandemic at the time where we were. And so we just, you know, instituted a time and said we would deliberately come together on a Wednesday twice a month and just basically talk through what we were thinking, you know, and then see where that lead us to. And so slowly and progressively over time, we were able to develop life as it is. You know, I, I want to say that there were so many people that contributed and, and, and the ideas were not one person alone. It was really a collective experience. You know, we were imagining a community of people coming together. And when we did, we figured if such a community can come together, something great can come out of it. And so we built the community. We asked people to come join us and have a conversation with this idea that we had in mind in terms of centering the public back into public health. And so the conversations we kept on having over time led to the birth of life. If I also look back in terms of origin again, if you guys all recall, in the spring of 2021, we were also responding to a call that NIH put out at that time saying they wanted folks to eliminate disparities, you know, in the public. And, and so how might we do that in a creative and innovative way? And so in, in that process of writing that grant, in fact, that grant was called IRIs. It was an implementation science grant focused on how you use anti-racism research to address racism and, and equity, I remember. And in the process of writing that grant, we thought we would have a magazine. Um, I still remember drafting a magazine in that grant to say we would disseminate the findings. And so the magazine on the side of it had the name light, had the name leaders igniting generational healing and transformation. And so we wrote that grant, submitted it, and sort of forgot about it, but we're still hungry to come together to discuss this very difficult topic because we knew just, just the act of writing it was just not enough. You know, that, that even though we did what was necessary to try to generate funds to address this topic, it's not enough to just simply generate funds because it's, it's just a burning topic that grants alone will not solve if collective people are not coming together on a constant basis to have those conversations. And ultimately that led to what you see now as light. Suitable that it took collective effort to bring something forward that is all about collective effort. It's so appropriate. Okay, so I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm not much of an artistic person, but you know, if I were or a member of the public were interested in contributing to light, Alexis, how would how would one get involved? Yeah, good question. So first, light is a biannual journal, and it's created with content from crowdsourcing open calls. So this means that with each of our biannual themed journals, we'll hold a crowdsourcing open call where we send out a question that the public will then respond to. Our first call was actually released on February 1st, and it asks, how might we recreate public health as art, letters, stories, and poetry? 
So here we are asking the public to think about how they can share a personal experience or translate data and research through creative expressions. So something like an artwork, a letter, a story, or poem to increase understanding of health information and just inspire each other to form a better connection with themselves and their health. So in our call, we have five categories that we offer. So we offer art, letters, poetry, and stories, and then a fifth category called surprise us. So the surprise us category was created for people to submit something that they may see that it doesn't fit into the other categories. So maybe something like a podcast or a song or anything like that. So if you visit our website at light4ph.org, you can see all of this information and the link to our submittable where you can submit your work. Our call is running from February 1st until May 1st. So there is still plenty of time for people to still submit. And then ultimately the submissions we receive will play a vital role in shaping our first issue and the um, entire journal itself. And we intend to launch that first issue early 2023. Um, and then secondly, you can follow us on social media at Light4PH on Instagram and Twitter to join us along this journey and keep up to date on our releases, deadlines, and any upcoming events. Great, thank you for that. Well, you know, we've come to the end of our time, but I would like to give anyone an opportunity to, to share more if you would like. So um, I will say thank you for, you know, visiting with me and, and sharing about this, but is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? I think for years, um, over over a hundred years, we we've published as we should, you know, with introductions, methods, results, and discussions. I think life is trying to be radically open in terms of how we we actually publish our content to the public. I bet you you are that researcher who has spent so many times at a community and you felt that you wanted to share your experience with that community in a different way. How about writing them a letter? And, and if you do, you now have an outlet and you can send it to light. You might also be that scholar who on the side dabbles into poetry. And maybe you, you had a poetry for an uncle's experience with diabetes, um, but you don't even know where to put it. You can send it to light. Or you might just be a storyteller. I am one. My son is on the spectrum. And I do write a lot of stories in terms of our highs and lows of, of, of mothering a child on the spectrum. But, you know, it's never one of those things that I think I can send to a journal to also share that experience um, that maybe other parents may, may want to actually gravitate towards. Um, but now I have a space and it's called light. I think that's all we're trying to do here to say that all of us have something within us, um, whether you are the researcher or the study coordinator, all of us have experiences within us that are vital for the community. Um, and if you ever felt oh, you had no place to send it to, now you can send it to light. Well, thank you. I really appreciate everyone joining me today. It's an exciting project. I can't wait to see what becomes of it and you know, learn of the stories and, and the experiences and and have some professional growth myself. So from a very self-serving perspective, I'm I'm very happy this project has come to be and I think it's gonna be a great contribution. So thank you all for joining me. I've been speaking with Dr. Juliet Willenmore, Dr. Uchoma Wolzuru and Ms. Alexis Engelhardt. 
three of the founders of a new public health literary journal called Light, which is currently accepting submissions of poetry, stories, art, and letters. You'll find a link to the website on jphmpdirect.com. Until our next episode, be safe and be kind. Thank you.